Well, good morning. How are you? I feel a little bit like the new puppy we have. That uh, there are times when she just doesn't know what to do with herself, right? She doesn't know she's supposed to jump on us and chew our fingers off or go after a toy or just lay down and go to sleep. Such a... Such an awesome presence of the Lord in the house. Do you, do, you, do you feel the rising of manifest presence as we gather each week? More and more, yeah. It's increasing. And we dare not let our familiarity with the setting Keep us from engaging in it and recognizing what's going on. Okay. Uh, Hey, I want to just emphasize Michael Dalton next week. Michael Dalton is a man. Yeah, come on. He's a prophet who has the heart of the mission in his heart. And uh, we, have, uh, we have gleaned from him in very uh, interesting times when we've gone through things as a church. Ryan and I have been on uh, Zoom calls with him and gained perspective when we needed it. Uh, and uh, he's just a, just a precious man of God. And uh, he will be here Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I really encourage you to come out and bring somebody with you Sunday night. There'll be a great opportunity for him to flow more into some prophetic ministry and, and some worship times, a uh, little bit uh, less uh, time restraint, and, and yet at the same time, it will be just full of what God is doing in and through him and into this house. And so that's at six o'clock on Sunday, next Sunday night. And I know we've all gotten out of the habit of going to church on Sunday nights, right? In fact, I remember I, I, I was really thankful when we got set free from having to go to church on Sunday nights, you know? Come on, let's be honest. Because it became just a habit, a pattern. But there's going to be life in this church, in this place, on, on Sunday night. You can watch online, of course, but I really encourage you to come and be in the house. There's something unique that happens when we gather together. <laughs> gather together, Right? And be in the same place in the same spirit uh, going after the same thing. And there's just a dynamic that happens. Jesus promised that. So next Sunday, Michael Dalton, Sunday morning and Sunday night, 6 o'clock Sunday night. So set your calendars for it. Move whatever you need to move and be here with us. And invite somebody to come with you. Yeah? Okay. Uh, I want to just remind you that I, I have a brand new book out, 21 Days of Soul Food. And that's available in the bookstore this morning. Yeah, thanks. Uh, this is my eighth, eighth book. It, uh, it's a partner with my 21 Days of Hope book. Uh, and that's in the bookstore also. And that's at, that's at 30% off today along with declarations that empower us, which are declarations we've used over the last years here at the mission. Uh, they've been used all around the world now. Uh, Power of Your Life message. You know, you say, well, you're just advertising your books. Yes, I am. I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend hundreds and thousands of hours writing these books if I didn't believe in the message of the books. 
And I want to get the message into people's lives. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm advertising them. And they're out there. This one, again, is also 30% off Power of Your Life message. is probably my legacy book. Uh, and then there's uh, four books on, on hope. Uh, we kind of need that in the world we live in, don't you think? And uh, there are various perspective, perspectives on hope uh, that are out there. All of those are 30% off today, and except for my newest book, 21 Days of Soul Food. actually has my picture on the front. I know. I know. I would never have done this myself, but my wife made me do it. It's the woman God made me. It causes me to do that. And I'm thankful that she's who she is. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, this morning we're going to have an opportunity to invest in, in some people in another nation through our war chest offering. And this is, uh, this is one that uh, really hits my heart strongly. We all have seen the horrific things that the people of Ukraine are going through right now. I don't know that we can imagine unless we've lived in that kind of setting what those people are dealing with, leaving their homes, everything behind, uh, losing loved ones, friends, that kind of thing. And when you look at it sometimes, I don't know, to to me it just overwhelms me at, at times. And it makes me wonder, what can we do? The need is so big, the need is so large. What can we do? But the Lord began to speak to me. He says, you can't do everything, but you can do something. You can do something. So the something we're going to do with our war chest this morning is, is this. Tim and Elizabeth Darnell are a couple of uh, leaders of a church in uh, that, that state we don't talk about anymore. Uh, <laughs> but we love this couple. They've, they've been out here to the mission on several occasions. And uh, Deb and I go there every year and minister. Uh, we we held the, the wedding ceremony for their son. Uh, they're just precious, precious young couple. And they have been working for 18 years in Ukraine. They've been going in and out of there, helping to build several churches in the area and ministering to the churches and, and just keeping them full of hope. Over the last week, they have been on the phone uh, probably uh, five hours a day with these couples that work in churches there trying to encourage them and help them know that they're not standing alone. And uh, the one family, we're going to show a picture here, if you'll go ahead and put that up. Um, sorry that that's not real clear. Uh, but that is, that is Igor and his wife, Lena, Lyaschenko, and their five children. And I want to give you their names because they're a face we want to remember. They're Natasha, Sophia, Mark, Christina, and Bogdan. This family has, been, has chosen to stay as long as they can in the Ukraine to minister to the congregations that they have that are networking with them. But they live 45 minutes away from, <clears throat> excuse me, from the nuclear reactor that was attacked. They live right there. And uh, they have found that they have no other choice but to leave now. So day before yesterday, they, they packed up their family He's taking his whole family up to the Savlakian order, up border, uh, where he will leave them and then he will come back and minister to his congregation and those that have chosen to stay and he'll stay there with them and help minister there. But you can imagine what it takes to, to move an entire family, to go into a new country, to be settled in a new country. And uh, what we get an opportunity, yet, yesterday they traveled 250 miles, that's as far as they could go. The roads were blocked, the, you know, it was just amazing, difficult transit. They have another uh, 500 miles to go today and tomorrow, uh, just to get them to the border. 
And uh, we're going to stand with Tim and Elizabeth Darnell as they help to fund this family and others like them, up to 30 families that will be possibly moving out of that area into other countries over the next week or so. And uh, so we get an opportunity now to invest in this family along with others that they will be helping to move into Slovakia. And uh, again, we can feel like we can't, we can't really make a difference, but we can make a difference with one family. We can start with one family. We can touch one family that, that will know that they are not alone, that they have somebody not only uh, in Texas, but in California, that cares for them and loves them and is willing to sacrifice, sacrificially give to make sure that they are taken care of. Uh, again, I don't know that we can fully grasp the, what these guys are going through, but we can, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, get a sense of how we can help. And that's what we want to do this morning. So that's what we're going to do. So this investment... Uh, you know, everything's fluid, so fluid over there right now. We don't know even how to get the money in there yet, but they're working on that and how to get that to them. So this, these finances that come in today will be going to Hill Country Church, which is the church that uh, Tim and Elizabeth lead in, uh, in the Hill Country of Texas. And uh, they will hold that until they know where they can release it safely. We try to do due diligence on every, every place we send money because not every place you send money, the money's going to get to the people, right? We want to make sure that it gets to the people. So they're, they're a very trustworthy couple that we can do that with. So that's what we're going to do today. So why don't you stand with me and let's set our hearts to be generous to those we know and those we don't, as my wife so beautifully presented this morning. Those we know and those we don't. We don't know this couple. We've never met them. But we can have, make a difference in that part of the world when it seems like there's nothing we can do, but we can do something, all right? So, Father, thank you for opening our hearts and opening the opportunity to touch a life on another part of the world that is going through hell right now. We pray for them. We pray for their safety. We pray for their security. We pray, Lord, for their, their sanity their peace of mind, their comfort, and the joy of the Lord to be their strength in this harrowing time. We pray covering over them, and we release them into your care. But Lord, we say we want to invest. We want to invest in those people and their ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, give us some giving music there, Al. There you go. Come on. You can give online, of course, and all of that. Please do so.
listen, I, I want to just take just a moment. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later uh, this morning, but I want to thank the teams that were so active yesterday in, in a variety of places. We had the team that Mark and Tammy led out in the back uh, portion of this, of this property. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Uh, and then Ramon Santos and his teams. Ramon, thank you so much for taking uh, the team over Vallejo and, and our prophetic teams that went and all of that that went to Vallejo to a, I guess you call it a tent meeting, tent revival. Yeah, tent, come on. So there's a revival in the works. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, uh, that was going on yesterday afternoon and, and then last evening back in New Wine where Chris, Christian and his team have uh, been leading services every, uh, every Saturday night and the team from the tent meeting came and joined them and they had a great time last night. And so I just want to thank all of those that are, that are doing that kind of thing, getting it ready. Yeah, years ago, uh, Randy Clark said, never... Never look at the seats in your auditorium and the people in your auditorium and believe that that's the only outreach you have. That that's not who you're really touching. You're touching so many more around the world because God's given us that opportunity. So thank you for, for taking advantage of that. Huh? And the youth are right now. We've got a lot of our youth uh, and youth leaders are in Lake Tahoe enjoying that. I think they're coming home here pretty soon. Uh, so we pray for their safety uh, on the roads coming home. But I know they're having a great time. And there's some great testimonies, I'm sure, next week uh, from them. All right. Uh, I, I, last week, what a, what a beautiful, beautiful message that Michelle gave regarding the territory of new relationships and expanded relationships. Such a timely, timely message. And out of that, I, I've had a message that I, that I actually worked on two years ago. And every time I, I come up to going to speak it, I'm ready to speak it, and I get up here, and then God is spontaneous. Actually, he's not. He's already had a plan, and I finally become spontaneous to what he's planning, you know? And, but I love the way God does that with us. He allows us. He, he, he doesn't make us a robot. He allows us to journey with him. As we walk through this, and so I, I had, hearing her message last week, I really felt like, well, this would be a great opportunity to follow that up with a message on unity that I developed two years ago and haven't had an opportunity to speak, not spoken it here, I haven't spoken in any other church. And, uh, and so I announced that last week. Well, there we go. God of revival, pour it out. Pour it out. Yeah, so we're, we're going a little different direction, but... Uh, and, and in order to do it, I just had a, a, probably a singular thought that I wanted to express, but I felt like there needed to be a biblical context for it. So I want to lay that biblical context out for you over the next few minutes. I'm going to do it very quickly. I actually went back to a message that I spoke 10 years ago on this subject. And uh, so I'm going to just quickly go through some of the points of that so that uh, we have a context. Don't you think it's good to have context for what we talk about and that it be a biblical context? I love this book, but I love the one who wrote it more than anybody, anything else. It's a good book, though. A friend of mine wrote it, and I encourage you to read it, all right? So we're going to read out of uh, Luke chapter 4. It's talking about Jesus. He said he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and as his custom was, 
He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. This is, this is Jesus speaking. He's reading this from the book of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So uh, this is a defining moment in Jesus' ministry because it's like a coming out moment when he stands and declares what he's here for and what he's doing. Uh, and he's referring to uh, part of uh, the law recorded in Leviticus chapter 25. It's called what we would refer to because it was referred to there, the year of Jubilee. Now, the year of Jubilee was in the 50th year. There were seven, uh, seven sabbatical years. Seven times seven is 49. So and then on the 40, after the 49th year into the 50th year, there was the year of Jubilee. And it was a time in which any Hebrew that during those 50 years had had to sell themselves as bond servants because of situations they'd gotten involved in, uh, lack of ability to take care of their family, whatever, they sold themselves into bondage. But on the year of Jubilee, they were set free. They were no longer a bond servant. They were now free. You like that? Any, uh, any real property that had been sold or lost from the family during that time, because again of need or situations or it's stolen or whatever, that it is reverts back to the original owner in the 50th year. So the, the, the year of Jubilee was like this. It was like a recognition that difficult times come, failures happen, but it provide, the 50th year provided for restoration of property and liberty that otherwise would be lost or abandoned in bad times through, or through personal failure. It's an awesome year, huh? Year of Jubilee. So let me just tell you a little bit of what that looks like uh, in some practical ways. In the year of Jubilee, what was is no more. What should not have been will no longer be. So poverty, bondage, loss of inheritance, all of those should not have happened. But they did, right? They happened. But because of the year of Jubilee, those things get restored to the people who lost them. The bondservant was no longer a slave. What was lost because of debt or failure has been returned. What had to be abandoned was now redeemed. This is good news for you, by the way. Okay. And Jesus declared, this is the year of Jubilee. He stood and he said, now is the moment that the prophets prophesied, that the law was, was designed to show you what was coming. And he said, now it's, it's now. Bondage gone, poverty gone. What was is no more. Secondly, what was important, impossible is now possible. What couldn't be now can be. What should be now is. Year of Jubilee restored things into proper order. So if, if you were a slave, you didn't have personal liberty. Now you have freedom, right? What was not possible for the bond slave is now possible for the free person. Limitations are, are lifted in the year of Jubilee. Families were reunited. Family property was now restored and available to, for the family provision and prosperity and for the next generation as an inheritance. 
Limitations lifted. What's out of reach was now in reach. In the year of Jubilee, the impossible becomes possible. What dreams have been held back by restrictive conditions are now active. I I like this. I don't know. (laughs) What possibilities have seemed impossible due to circumstances or past failures are now possible. Say this about dreams one more time. What dreams have been held back by restrictive conditions are now active. I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to stop right here and say this to you. You've put dreams on hold. To your jubilee. You need to activate those dreams again. Take them off the willow where you hung up your harp. Start strumming that thing again. It's time to dream again. All right, hopeless uh, limitations are lifted. Circumstances and failures are now stepping stones. Hopelessness doesn't stand a chance because the God of all hope has declared the acceptable year of the Lord. Everything shifts in the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee is the permission to start over. God is the God of second chances. His joy, his joy is never in our punishment, but in our restoration. Can you hear me? Yeah. No matter how badly we messed up, the year of Jubilee is an opportunity to begin again. Uh, where we've wasted opportunities for forward progress, we get, to, we get to start them all over again. Where we failed to walk in our prophetic destiny, we get to go at it again. There's a condition, though. And the condition is that it's only a place to start over if we start over. Okay. okay. You'll get this in a minute. It's only a place to start over if you start over. If we take advantage of the opportunity, the opportunity of lifetime must be taken in the lifetime of an opportunity. We know that. We must occupy the offered territory or it just sits there. Jesus said he came to proclaim. He came to proclaim the year of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, to proclaim means to herald or act as a herald. If you know anything about ancient history or old history, that a herald was was commissioned to announce what had been decreed by the king. So the herald is sent out, and sometimes they would sing it, and sometimes they would just stand in in the city square and declare it. This is what the king has now said is the new normal. This is now the law of the land. This is now what's going to be happening. And Jesus stood on that day. He was not making a suggestion. He was standing as a herald from the king. And he was declaring by decree. And it comes with an authority that comes from the king. And we can ignore it at our own peril. He's saying things change from this moment on. Please note this. Jesus was making a decree agreed upon by the Father that the year of Jubilee that foreshadowed the work of the Messiah that had now, was, has now come. The benefits of the year of Jubilee are no longer dependent on being the 50th year. No longer dependent upon being the 50th year. It is now the status quo. <laughs> And the year of Jubilee is now available, but only if we activate it in our lives through faith. That's how you receive the year of Jubilee. Now, here's what I want to talk about. And I'm just going to do it in about 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes or so. Okay. 
Now that just gives you a basis of what the year of Jubilee is and understand that the year of Jubilee is now. We now live in the age of Jubilee where these things are all possible because Jesus paid for them all on the cross. He stood before those people and said, now this is it. So here's what I want to talk about. One of the primary purposes for the year of Jubilee, that it was instituted by God, was for the restoration of inheritance. So that which had had been lost to the family could be restored to the family. What one generation had gained, the next generation would retain and build on. Uh, Then pass that on to the next generation. And what one generation gains is important to God, that it be passed on to the next generation. Generational inheritance is important to God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, what generations? You see it all throughout the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. One generation says one generation will declare to another the works of God. There is something about passing on what we gain to the next generation that is important to God. That's the inheritance of the next generation. Circumstances try to steal our inheritance. And I'm, talking not, I'm not talking just about spiritual inheritance, although I am. But I'm also talking about earthly inheritances that families lose and it needs to be regained. And I think it matters to God. We live in the age of Jubilee. We can reclaim that which has been lost and take back that which has been stolen or forgotten. And I'm speaking of individual inheritance and the mission community, this church, when I'm talking here this morning. So I want to to share a story just to give you, again, some more context of this inheritance issue and the importance of it. Deb, why don't you go and come on up and uh, we'll have you share a little bit on that. I I am, but you come up here. Come on up. You'll take a while to get up here, so it's okay. Uh, And you can can find a seat if if there is one. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, I want to give some context for this before Deb shares this story. Um, Deb's parents passed away. Should be on. Uh, my, okay. my mother passed away 30 years ago and my father 25 years ago. 25 years ago. And we received an inheritance from them. Uh, they had, they would, they, they were, when they got married, they had absolutely nothing. There you go, babe. Thank you. you. What a gentleman. Come on. Uh, Oh, and I can reach the floor, too. (laughs) Hi, you down there. (laughs) Uh, And we were very blessed by that. They they built up a business and, uh, and, and, and prospered. And so we were blessed by that. But one piece of the inheritance was the family home that Deb grew up in. It's on the beach in uh, Moss Landing. And the, uh, Deb's dad had remarried a wonderful woman. We loved her very much, part of our family. Uh, she had the rights to live in that home as a homestead home uh, her entire life unless she remarried or passed, once she passed away, that then came back to Deborah and her sister. And that was uh, 25 years ago. 25 years ago, she moved into that home. 
Well, we stayed in touch with her over the years. and uh, She moved in 30 years ago. She moved in 30 years ago. And then, yeah, um, yeah they, they married right after my mom passed. My dad was so funny. He waited three months because he thought that was just the right thing to do. But, no, he waited three months because your mom said he had to wait yes, three months. Yes, my mom said he had to wait at least three months. Yeah. And, and gave him a list of who he could marry. Yeah. Yeah. My, my mom died long and hard, so we had a lot of time to work these things out. So yeah. Peggy was at the top of mom's list, and she had a list of don't over my dead body, I'll come back and kill you. Yeah. So Peggy was on the top of the yes, these are okay, and yes, so we love Peggy. Yeah. Yeah, we love Peggy. Yeah. So we've been in contact over the years, and uh, uh, she was to take care of the house, which she did. and. Uh, we just didn't think much about that part of the inheritance for a lot of years because we just enjoyed the fact that she could live in it uh, without having to pay rent or anything else, and it was good. It was good for her. Uh, but then we began uh, last year, uh, towards the middle of the year, we began to get a little concerned because we'd send text to her or an email, and we wouldn't get any responses at all. And then we started trying to call, and we weren't getting any response. We'd get a little, a little worried about yeah. that. And... Um, Finally, Deb's sister, who lives in Florida, uh, happened to check a newspaper from Moss Landing and saw that there was a memorial service for Peggy. And we hadn't been notified. Yeah, the memorial service was a few months after she had passed. It was actually a few months right? after she because passed. Because of COVID, it had to be mm-hmm. delayed. And so we, didn't, we had been trying to get hold of her and couldn't figure out why she wasn't responding. Yeah. Uh, there were attempts by the sons to take the inheritance away from us, to try to sell the house. Uh, Thankfully, uh, the law stopped them. They didn't notify us that Peggy had passed so that they could take from the house the things that were inheritance. Yeah, let me share. Um, Holy Spirit is so completely amazing. (laughs) I hope you know that. So for 25 years, a large part of what was my inheritance was held just in um, limbo, right? For 25 years. And over that time, I would get a little anxious, like, Lord, because I, um, this is probably, one of the sons was not a altogether righteous person. And so I just, for 25 years, I, I knew that he would try to um, take this. If he, he, would, he would try, not just if he could, he would try to do this. And so I would start to get a little anxious about it. Like, Lord, this is a house I lived in since I was eight years old. And all the furnishings and the antiques and the collectibles that were my parents were still in that house. We left them there for Peggy to enjoy. And so I would get a little, you know, not nervous, but, you know, just like, gosh, will I ever see this inheritance? It was a text from the Holy Spirit. Yes, it was. (laughs) And last, um, what, a year ago, in August, I was out in the garden, and he said, Deb, it's time to call in your inheritance. And I got a little, um, what did I get, upset? Yes, I did. Um, because I'm like, that is not even nice. <laughs> you know, sometimes Holy Spirit doesn't mind us being real with him. 
he's very kind, but he's not nice, if you know what I mean. Um, he said, I'm asking you to call in your inheritance. I go, well, that's not proper. That's just not even fair because for me to call in my, the rest of my inheritance means Peggy has to die. And so I'm not going there. Um, I'm not doing that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Which was awesome because it showed me that even those, those things were precious to me and that home was precious to me, her, her life was more precious to me. Right? So that was, I think, Holy Spirit giving me a chance to know my heart. If nothing, yeah. you see what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, he, he, it was a test, if you will. To, so I, not that he didn't know my heart. He wanted me to know my heart. <laughs> right? And so uh, I didn't do anything about it. You know, we kept trying to get hold of Peggy just because we did ever so often. But um, I, I never prayed the prayer. I didn't like, okay, fine, I'll call in my inheritance. I never did it. Yeah, but what you didn't know is Peggy had already passed. She, she died in August. Yeah. So she had already, she had passed away the week that I heard the Holy Spirit say, call in your inheritance. Yeah. But we didn't know for a few months later. Yeah. So when we discovered it, it was about a week before the memorial service in September or October, somewhere in there. And the family that was supposed to notify us when Peggy passed so that we could gain the inheritance, the boys decided not to. Uh, but we found out, and so we decided we would show up at the memorial service. <laughs> Without letting them know. Uh, and it was down in, down in Monterey. And it was still heavy COVID, so it was outside and everybody's masked. And, yeah. and we showed up. And, but we went to the house first, right? Did we go to the house first? Yes, we did go to the house first. Uh, did yeah. To check on the house. And, and so, can I share that? So, sure. we walk into my family home, and um, everything had been sold. Um, furnishings, mm-hmm. everything of value was gone. Um, the things that had belonged to my mom and dad um, since I was eight years old, um, all their antiques, collectibles. The only thing that was left in the house was like tables that you would put on a you know garage sale or yeah. take to the thrift store, you know, that were mostly like Peggy stuff, that from just her clothing and knickknacks and stuff. So that's that was uh, you know. So now we're on our way to the funeral, and I've just seen my family home cleared out of everything that was basically precious and meaningful to me. Yeah. 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 So we arrived there, and you would have loved to see the faces <laughs> of these boys. In the eyes, yes. <laughs> so we had some conversation, and it was, it was, no, it was pleasant. Uh, but there was, there was one thing that the other things were valuable, but there was one thing that meant something to you. So when I saw the house empty from everything that we would have, as a family you know, would have wanted, was gone. Um, That's why I say, Holy Spirit, so marvelous. He said, Deb, okay, this is reality right now for you. Um, If you could only have one thing from your inheritance, from your family, what would it be? If it was just one thing. And and I was surprised how fast it came 
And I said, oh, I know exactly what that would be. I would want the painting of the young woman that was my father's favorite painting um, because he always said it reminded him of his girls. My sister and I were adopted, and um, we were just his treasures. And I said, that's, but it was gone. It's gone. All the painting, all the artwork was gone. Everything was gone. And when you sell it in a state sale, you know, chances are they don't even know who has it. You know what I mean? There's no record. It's just gone, you know. Yeah. So we uh, went through the, the memorial service and began to chat with uh, one of the brothers who is a younger brother who was pretty much dominated by the older brother. The older brother was known as a very dishonest man. And so we were chatting with him and we asked, uh, first of all, we told him all of those things that you sold, those were they did not belong yeah, to one of the wives said, hey, we did you a favor, and we, we um, cleared, out the, cleared out the house. And I said, well, that's really unfortunate, because that was my parents' belonging. And she just turned white and walked away. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that was unfortunate. So yeah. then Deb, Deb shared with him, there's one thing I want. I, I want to find out if it's still available, and that's the painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I said um, to the elder brother... I said... Um, oh, yeah. The younger brother said, well, I, I, I it's gone. It's yeah, gone. it's gone. It's gone. Uh, but then, uh, come over here, called his, other, <laughs> his elder brother, because he was uh, yeah. caught in a lie. So I went up to the older brother, and I said, um, and I realize everything's gone. I said, but I do want the painting. He goes, what painting is that? And I said, well, I just wanted to slap him, but... Um, yeah, because this guy is, is an art dealer. He's been an art dealer. Yeah. He knows what painting he, he's talking yeah, about. You know. And I said, the painting of the woman. Well, what? I'm like the only painting of a woman that was in my father's home, you know. And he goes, well, what was she wearing? Like, what? And I'm like, I, honestly, I came so close. I was like, had to sit, you know, hold my hands and just punching them out. And um, so I described the painting and quite, oh, that, yeah, it's gone. And when he said, it's gone, Holy Spirit was so close and he said, that's true, but he knows where it is. Because everything was, like I said, was sold at an estate sale. Well, what, that didn't end up in their homes. Um, and I said, but I, and I looked at him, and he was really tall. And so I looked him right in the eye, and I said, um, but I want it back. And he goes, well, I don't know, you know where it is. And, and I said, I want it back. And, what, and I said, said something about, yeah. We, we're driving home, but we're not leaving We're not leaving we without the painting. He goes, well, really, it's gone. And, and did you ask him where it was or something like that? Well, do you know where it is? And he goes, well, it's probably somewhere in the Monterey Bay area. I'm like, who said stuff like that? It's somewhere in the Monterey Bay area. But it was like this man could not lie. It was like every time we asked him a question, he had... He literally, the Holy Spirit he was... Couldn't get, he couldn't build a story, story quick, enough. quick enough. And I said, well, well, we'll follow you to wherever it is from the funeral to pick it up. And I said, where is it? And he just and he comes out of his mouth. Um, it's in my house. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, okay, we'll follow you. When you're ready to leave, we'll... So we followed them to their house. And they had it out in front yeah, of the she house. Left first. She left early yeah. to go and get the, out of their house because they did not want us in their, in house, their house because we because... knew what was in their house. All yeah. right? Yeah. But we got but the painting. Show the picture of the painting. Yeah. We got it. That's it. 
Throw the first one, big, the big one, close up. That's the painting. Now, it's not, it's not a wealthy, it's not a... It's not a Van Gogh. It's not a Van Gogh, yeah. But it means so, it's, it is an original oil that my father had had for many years. And, but every day I see it in my home, I'm so thankful because it reminds me of my father and it reminds me of my heavenly father and Holy Spirit yeah. who is so kind and like asked me the question about my inheritance and he had been holding it for us for 25 years because honestly, if we had sold the house when my father passed 25 years ago, we, it, it was worth a fraction of what it was worth um, when Peggy passed. It was like he was holding a, a savings account for us mm-hmm. to pass on to mm-hmm. our children um, So it becomes an inheritance. The Lord, in the Bible, it says a really wise man. He, he, he stores up things for the next generation. And I feel like through that, my dad was able to give to us. We're able to set in place something for our children and for their children's children. And so I'm just so thankful. And every, every day I see that, every morning I see it. I'm just reminded of how kind he is and how purposeful he is. Unintentional Yeah, thanks, babe. Thank you. So now we get to enjoy that, that painting every day as we walk into our home. But that's just an illustration of God's intentionality towards you in the practical inheritances that have either been stolen or laid aside or you don't know when they're coming, you don't know any of that. And some, some of you have lost from generational, generational failure. You've lost things. But it's a year of jubilee. It's a year to claim those things back. And will it come back in the exact painting that you got that you wanted? In the, maybe not. But it will come back another. I'm going to tell you one real quick story. Uh, and yeah, you okay? Uh, years ago, Dan and I were in uh, in Fiji, and we were traveling across country with a businessman. And he uh, was working with the telephone uh, phone companies to try to bring in another uh, cell phone company into the nation. There was only one at the time, and so there was no competition. He was trying to bring that in, and yet he needed some he needed some funds to get started. And I, I felt like I was to give him some money. To do that. And uh, he said, I, I'll give it back to you in 14 days. I just need it right now to do this. So I gave him money that, that we did not really have. But I wanted to invest in the kingdom into that nation. I should have been wiser, but I wasn't. So this is the, this is the thing about God. He's not looking for whose fault it is. He's not looking for that. So I, I gave him some money, and it was about um, $5,000, $6,000. I'm thinking Fijian money and, and U.S. money all at the same time. Um, yeah, it was about $6,000 U.S. dollars. And um, so we did, and Dan and I came on home, and 14 days came and gone, didn't hear from him. 21 days came and gone, didn't hear from him. 
So I'm calling his number, and as soon as he hears my voice, he hangs up. And so over a process of time, we discover he's not a, he's not a faithful man, right? And uh, he was doing what he said he was doing, but who knows where the money went. So I had to live with that for a while. I didn't, uh, I didn't call my team there and say, so-and-so stole from me. So I need you to put some pressure on him. I didn't do that. Didn't let anybody know over there because I didn't think that would be good. And uh, now, I don't know, it's longer than that, five, eight years maybe, eight years later, I had, God had dealt with me, said anything you plant into the kingdom, even if it's stolen, is still kingdom finance. Still kingdom finance and, and you, can, you can claim it. Uh, but you've you got to let this go. You have to let it go. And I did. Took a while. I have to tell you, it took a while. Uh, so we get, to, we get over there with a team. And we uh, were invited to go and, and uh, preach at the English-speaking church. which was a small church where the, the big church actually started many years ago. And we've been in this place many times. And uh, so we, we get to the place. And on the way... I didn't know who the pastor was, but I had been there before, and there was just a few people, and it was kind of not, not much life to it, and, you know, it was people of God. And, but, man, we pulled up to this place, and it was active. I mean, it was, like, full of life, and there were, you know, maybe 100 people in this little building where there had been maybe 20 before. And I thought, wow, something's going on here. This is good. And out came a man, walked out, of the, who's the leader of the church, walked up to me and introduced himself. I won't, I won't tell you his name. He said, I'm so-and-so. And I said, I know who you are. It was him. He was now the leader of that church. The next, the next I said, so he took us all out to lunch. And we're all out to lunch. And he's like, he doesn't even know who I am. Uh. And I don't know if he's just a really good con man or he just didn't, didn't realize, you know. I probably aged a few years, but. Uh, and we went to lunch and uh, I met his wife and, and I said to his wife, he said, you know, you may not remember, but Dan McCollum and I ate dinner in your home. He said, no, I don't remember that. And I said, yeah, we did. Oh, okay. So I went up to him and I said, let's, let's have some coffee tomorrow. Let's have coffee. So he came, came to the hotel the next, the next day, and we're chatting, and I'm asking him about what he's doing with the cell towers and all that stuff, and he's done a bunch of work in that area. And, uh, finally, I said, I, I had, he, had, he had written a little note that said, I will repay you in 14 days, and wrote how much of it was on. And I, had, for, I thought I had thrown it away a long time ago, but I found it in my... In the hotel room, in my bag, I found that little note. It was just a little scrap of paper. So I walk in. Are you okay with this? I'm just like, here's my life. Here's my life. And so I, I, I pulled that out of my wallet. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Deb wants me to say that finding things is not my greatest achievement. So. <laughs> That's why we have wives, isn't it, guys? Right? To find our socks when we can't find them. Uh, but I went, went into my room, and, and there it was, this little piece of paper in, in my travel bag. And I, I sat down with him, 
I let him talk for a while, and I said, listen, I don't know if you remember this. I pulled this thing out, handed it to him. And Rapney looked at it. His face turned white. And he looked up and he said, I, I don't know that I remember this, but I'll fix it. I said, well, here's how you're going to fix it. You're not going to give it to me. This was kingdom money that you stole. So I want you to now start giving it back to Mission Fiji. You can give it back a little at a time, but you're going to give it back. And that began to be, that began to be done. There's still more for it to happen. But you see, it matters to God. What your generations before you were able to grow so that it could be handed to you so that you cannot just maintain it, but you can grow it and pass it on to the next generations. I, I can't tell you how important this is. We have left our children without an inheritance because we have been selfish, because we have so spent so much of our time consuming that we have failed to pass on to the next generation. And there's no condemnation in that, but we have to wake up to this, that there is something in the heart of God for us to do as parents, as grandparents, to pass things on to our, the next generation. And where you have had things stolen from you, it's time to call those things back in. And to take that inheritance that God has given you that God has intended for you. He blessed a, a person. He blessed a couple. Right? All prosperity comes from the hand of the Lord. He blessed them to not just bless themselves, but to bless the next generations beyond them. Amen. It's a year of jubilee. It's time to call back in the inheritances that you've lost. And if you've lost an inheritance that was handed to you and you now have nothing to give to your children, it's time to call in the blessing into your life so that you can gain an inheritance to pass a legacy to pass on to the next generation. It's not too late. It's not too late. This is true of the mission too. This is true of the mission and I know we're, we're losing time here, but I, I need to say a couple things about where we are as a church. You know, COVID-19 tried to rob the inheritance of this church. It tried to say we can't do when God was saying, yes, you can. And there, there are so many prophetic words over this house that have yet to come to pass. And if we look at what has happened, we would say, well, I guess those aren't words that are going to happen. No, it's not true. Those things stand they stand as a promise to us as a people. He didn't put this church here for no reason. There have been, there have been times since we've come back from sabbatical where I've sat in this building in a service and I sense something in the air. And the Lord says to me, that is what you offer to this city. And it's all around the presence it's all around the manifestation of Jesus Christ to bring healing, salvation, and deliverance. It's all about the, the weighty presence of God that we felt this morning. It was in, it's in the house. Times when people would walk into this place, they would come because they'd come for a conference and we were doing sound checks. There was nothing spiritual going on in the house. They would sit on the back row and they'd begin to weep as the presence of God would touch them and radically change them 
And they'd walk out of here and say, if I didn't even come to the conference, that moment would have been enough. And they flew from another country to be here. That's an inheritance for this house. It's a year of Jubilee. I claim that back. I claim that level of inheritance in the house. And I want to thank, I want to thank those, again, that this weekend have put a stake in the ground. The inheritance for a harvest where these guys, Ramon and his team, go over there and, and they put up a tent and it doesn't matter how many people come. They are taking territory that belongs to us. Yeah. Belongs to us. It's an inheritance to this house that comes many, even, genera- even, even a time before I came here. So this was a place known for salvation. A place known where people could get restored. And I thank you, Ramon, and, and your team for the faith that you've demonstrated to be out there. Chris, Christian, for what he's been doing on Saturday night, he and his team, every Saturday night in the back room here, they're just making a place for God to show up with new wine. It's awesome. It's wonderful. And then Mark and Tammy, thank you so much for all your prayer initiatives. But yesterday, yesterday they upped, they upped the ante. They said, we're going to go back there. I don't know if you understand, but we have 17 acres in this property. And once the parking lot ends, there's still acreage back beyond there. Goes all the way to, to uh, what's, the, what's the name of this road? <laughs> Leisure Town. Goes all the way to Leisure Town. And it's a piece of property. It's a beautiful piece of property. It has beautiful trees on it. it has, now it has mowed lawn on it. It looks beautiful. And that belongs to us. And there's so many prophetic words over that. So many hopes and dreams over that piece of property. And so Tammy and Mark took a team out there, and Deb and I were part of that. Ryan was part of that yesterday. And we drove stakes in the ground with, with message, passages out of Scripture that are promises over that territory. We're going to be looking, how do we now invest in that? How do we make that happen? How do we partner with God to redeem the inheritance that has seemed like it's been lost? And I thank you, Mark and Tammy. It was just amazingly done. And all of those that, that joined us yesterday to do that. You're going to see more of that as we move forward. Do we have the finances for any of that? No, we don't have the finances. We never have had the finances for that stuff. Come on. Deb said yesterday, there was a time when, when a department would say, we need, uh, I need a ream of paper, and we'd have to say, no, and we can't buy a ream of paper. There were times we didn't know how if we could buy, pay for staff. And sometimes we had staff that wouldn't, would, would refuse their their salary to help the church. We haven't done that for a long time. I thank God because he loves prosperity and there has been. But you know, there's, there's the need budget and then there's the dream budget. It's time to dream again in the house. But that can only happen if you're willing to do it for yourself. The the bigger picture is fed by the prosperity of the individuals. And the individuals are fed by the prosperity of the house. It works together. So we, we come together and say, it is a year of jubilee. Here's, here's the deal. When we read this story in the book of Luke, 
And Jesus gets done declaring the year of Jubilee. And he declares, you know, sight to the blind. And all of these wonderful things that he says is now the normal. The people says they were astounded by his words. But then they said, is this not Joseph's son? What were they saying? He says really good things, but he's just the son of a carpenter. Their familiarity... Their familiarity lost their faith. You see, familiarity leads to us taking things for granted. And when we do that, we lack any sense of expectancy. Listen, those of you who have been in this house, how many in this house, and I know there's there's still some of us still alive (laughs) that were here when I first came. Look at that. How many of you have been here in the, in the last 20 years? Quite a few of you. You know we've gone through a lot of things. A lot of stuff. Let's not get familiar. Let's not get familiar with the presence to where we take him for granted what he wants to do. Listen, what I want to do, do right now is I want to just pray over us for a, that, we, that we get our inheritance back as individuals, and as a church. And then we're going to make a declaration. It's, it's one that, we, that I, I wrote tw- 10 years ago. I've adjusted it a little bit for this morning. But we're going to do this. So why don't you stand with me a minute, Miss... Uh, worship, worship, thank you. The one who keeps me straight. <laughs> thank you, Paris. Come on up here. Did you get my text, Paris? Good. And we're going to make these declarations. They're Jubilee declarations. And I want you to make them very personal to you this morning as we declare these out loud. And again, you're to use your outside voice, not your inside voice. I want, I want the heavens to hear it and I want the hell to hear it. I want the forces of hell that are trying to keep you from your inheritance to hear your declaration of faith today. That your inheritance belongs to you. God intended it for you. And though it may have been lost by previous generations, God can restore what no longer exists. Hello? He can restore what no longer exists. He knows how to do that. Because he speaks a word and he creates something with his word. All right, not very many of you believe that, but that's okay. Okay, go ahead and start the, the music. Music. Okay, you ready to declare this? Settle it in your heart that this is your truth. That as you declare it from your mouth, it'll be out of the abundance of your heart that you are speaking. That even though you cannot see it, even though you have no idea how it can happen, and all the circumstances say there is no way, you are declaring there is a way in Him. Okay? You ready? Thank you. Okay, here we go. We declare this is our year of Jubilee. We declare this is the day of unprecedented opportunity. Doors wide open, treasure chest unlocked, and a fresh divine adventures awaiting us. Come on. We declare this is the day of unparalleled increase 
increased revelation, community, increased prosperity, and increased God encounters. Yeah, there you go. Come on. What has been lost will be recovered. What has been stolen will be restored. And what has been abandoned will be reclaimed. Yeah. We declare that in this day, our past failures and wasted opportunities will become stepping stones into new levels, unexplored territories, and incomparable victories. Yeah. We declare that we are letting go of what was, embracing what now is, and reaching with anticipation and expectancy for what will be. We declare that we now live in the acceptable year. Okay, oh, 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 okay. This is this is the last one. So you gotta you gotta get crazy. You gotta get crazy. Listen. I know what you look like at a football game. When you are excited about somebody making a touchdown, this is a touchdown for your life, for your family, for the next generation. So here we go. We declare that we now live in the acceptable year of our Lord, a lifetime of His commanded blessing, His favor, and our jubilee. Yeah, come on. Okay. Come on, come on, yeah, come on, yeah.
something to give to this place. In, a, in several weeks, we're going to have a man, um, the, the Deb and I have, he and his wife are just, they're dear friends of ours. 
Jamie, thank Elders, part of our apostolic oversight. And part of the message I believe he's going to bring, and I just want to just kind of drop a seed with you right now. And if, and if he doesn't, that's fine, but this seed will still last. He said that the passage in Acts where it talks about the old men shall dream dreams and the young men shall have visions. He says it's essential for the old, the, the old dreams of the old men to ignite the vision of the young men. This is, this is kind of this inheritance thing. There's things in, that were dreams of the old men. And I have to say I'm one of those now. Dreams that we've had that have been prophetic promises. Dreams of our heart that God says I want to partner with those things that will ignite the vision of the young men to carry it not only our dreams, but their dreams too. And so it's important for us to recognize the value of every generation and to not not take them for granted because we because we're familiar with them. Because if we'll allow them, they'll surprise us. The younger generation is going to surprise us with what they carry and how they can deposit that. And the older generation, listen, we carry something that the younger generation needs. Ryan has said this before, and I just love the way he puts it. He said, the older generation can lend their favor that we've gained over years and years and years. The favor that we have, we can, we can yield that favor and give that favor to the younger generation. And the younger generation gets to give us their strength. That's how the mission is going to progress. That's how we're going to move forward. It's the generations receiving their inheritance. Oh man, I, let's not, you guys are so patient this morning. Thank you so much for your time. Ministry team, if you want to come up, but we want to go and, and have, uh, go and, I want you to go. What's that, right? Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Uh, the tables are out there. The tables or have all kinds of opportunities. All you Just go walk through them and you can see what's happening in the mission right now. There's a lot of life flowing. A lot of life flowing. Just take advantage of that. Make sure you step in into the bookstore too because there's a lot of really great resources in there from our team that I'd love for you to take advantage of. There's some stuff from Ramon in there. Dano's got some books in there. I've got some books in there. All right? So make sure and take a tour through there. And then there's, uh, anyone wants to stay around for lunch? They're out there, I don't know where they are, in the gym. You can go over to the gym and find some fellowship and community over there. God bless you.